Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Created for Connection, a podcast that explores the way we become isolated from one another, but how God moves us toward connection with Him and with each other. In today's episode, we're going back in time to a solo talk Kevin recorded in the summer of 2021. He really gets to the heart of what we're trying to discuss in this podcast. I think his words will motivate you to delve more fully into the stories about your identity that you may have been telling yourself most of your life. And then to consider how God may be helping you rewrite some of those narratives that aren't always based on his truth. So to everyone listening, we're glad you're here. Hey everybody, welcome back to Created for Connection. I'm your host, Kevin Shelby. And today, unfortunately, I am flying solo. My co-host, Paul McMullen, is on vacation with his family. And uh, last I heard, he was embattled in a very intense game of nerds with his wife and kids. And so I wish them well. I hope they're having a great time. Um, But today, you just get me. And um, I really wanted to have the the opportunity to follow up on some things that we've talked about in other episodes. We've gotten so much uh, feedback from different people along the way. And so I think just some clarifications and, um, and even just kind of expanding on some ideas is really important. And so I want to clarify the fact that the struggle to be known is not unique to Christian leaders. The struggle to be known is a problem for all of us. It is at the core of what we need as human beings. And it's not something that we come by lightly. It's not something that um, is easy to find, but it is something we all truly need. And so I did. I don't want us to send the message that we think that this is a unique struggle just for leaders in Christian communities. Our goal has been to help those who find themselves in a place of struggling and feeling like they don't know where to go or, or how to be known to find places where they can do that. Um, but I, I recognize just from some of the feedback that we've gotten that there are people all across the spectrum um, in Christian community that need this. And so I want to talk about that today. I think that um, the unique struggle of leaders in Christian communities is that there is a certain expectation of performance, that, um, you know, they're on stage, they're up in front, they are promoting um you know, the gospel message on a weekly or, or daily basis with people within the church. And, and that is something that um, can turn into a performance um, and a performance-based acceptance that is really difficult to know how to navigate when you have the deep desire to be known. And on the other side of that, you have uh, people that are involved in Christian communities and may not be upfront leading, but they are also struggling and maybe with their own types of performance, but also 
I see people on the other side of the coin struggling with, well, I'm not good enough yet. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't gotten this sin struggle figured out yet. And therefore I'm not as useful in the kingdom as I would be if, if all of these things would go away. And I would say that no matter where you find yourself, if you find yourself up on a stage performing or if you find yourself in the seats listening, that it's just not true that performing is going to get you what you want or that getting your sin struggle taken care of is going to get you what you want. You don't wait until you've performed enough or until you've gotten your sin straightened out to be known. It doesn't work that way. And so I'm going to talk about some of those things today to kind of give you some insight into um, into what what I kind of how I see this whole struggle playing out within Christian community. So in in, in our previous discussions, you've heard me talk about the different layers of self. And I think that was in episode five where we we really zeroed in on the idea of distraction and core-to-core connection. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, then I would encourage you to go back and take a listen to it. But, you know, I'm going to recap just a little bit here. The outer layer of, of who we are is, is the, the person that shows up in the different circles that we find ourselves in, whether it's church or school or home life or, um, you know, other public atmospheres, we, we show up, it's the, it's the presentation of self. And this presentation of self is what we found to be the most ex- acceptable version of who we are. It may not be the most authentic, but it's the most acceptable. It's, it's the person that we think others are going to like the most. And so that's, who we put out there in these different circles. And it may change from depending on the circle that we're, we're engaging in. And that presentation of self is, um, is something that's necessary to engage others. It's, it is part of our personality, but it isn't necessarily who we are. And so that's, that's the outer layer. And if, if you go one, one step deeper to the middle layer, you find our beliefs and our opinions. So this is a little bit deeper, right? We're we're allowing ourselves to be a little more known by sharing what we believe theologically about different things or our opinions about politics or, you know, even connecting with people over sports teams and who we think, you know, the Grizzlies should pick up in the next uh, draft or, um, you know, whether Tom Brady has another year left. Um, you know, we, we, we engage in relationships by starting to connect with people on this level. And I think that's also a very necessary part of who we are. It's, it's necessary for us to share those things. But again, that's not, that's not at the core of who we are. And, and I want to make this statement, too, as I've said before, that a lot of us find ourselves connecting with others and staying in this level of 
you know, just sharing our beliefs and opinions back and forth. And, and we think that that's what real connection is about, but it's not because we're never truly known in that place. It's just a, a one step deeper than who we are when we're presenting ourselves to the world. What really allows us to be known is when we get down to the center or the core of who we are. And in the core of who we are is our wounds, our desires, our dreams, our fears, and then the lies that we've believed and the core truth about who we are. Now, I want you to just take a second to think about that. How aware are you of those different parts of, of your life? How, how aware are you of, of the um, wounds that you've experienced? How aware are you of the dreams that you have? You know, a lot of us are familiar with the fears, but maybe not really clear on what the source of those fears are. But I would argue that a lot of us are, are walking around unaware of the lies that we've believed. And the lies that we believe are attached to those wounds and those fears. And so it's important for us to kind of drill down to that. And um, when you think about, you know, the, the things that seem to hold us back the most, it's going to be those lies, those wounds, and those fears that tend to hold us back in relationship. And those are also the things that we fear being known uh, by others. So an example of this might be someone who's experienced abuse, sexual, physical, emotional abuse. That can be really hard for somebody to share. And um, in my experience in counseling, you know, the process of, of walking through the impact of, of childhood abuse is um, – is painful. It is, um, it's really hard work and it can be highly emotional. But I've also, I've also recognized that as people walk through the process of telling their story and really being known in some of those places, they do find relief and healing. And it is something that is, seems to be uh, universally true that the more known they are in those spaces that they thought they couldn't be, the more freedom they feel. And so that's a really important part of digging into those deeper, those deeper places that we have left unexplored. And a lot of times we don't want to go there because we'd rather uh, rely on what seems easier. And so um, that's where I think, you know, a lot of this comes down to things like performance or um, identity. You know, we end up trying to perform our way into acceptance with the people around us. And particularly for leaders in Christian communities, this is a struggle because we think that if I can perform at a certain level where I look out and the audience receives me or I get all kinds of accolades, if I can just get enough of that, then I'm going to feel better about who I am and it's going to make me do better and be better as a person. You know, and I think that that is a trap because all it does is it creates more shame because we perform well 
and then we we get those accolades and it we ride the wave of that for a while and then we realize it's not enough i need more and so we keep coming back and it can be addictive and when we realize that it's not enough then shame creeps in then avoidance and distraction creep in and we find ourselves doing things that we we didn't think that we would do in order to avoid the shame that really the source of it is a lack of connection and being known rather than we haven't performed enough, but we think it's about our performance. And so it's a real trap to get stuck in. I think I've also noticed that even people who aren't living their life on this performance-based acceptance, which is pretty rare, um, still sort of see themselves in a place of struggling and thinking, I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy to, you know, to involve myself in the kingdom. I'm not worthy to involve myself in relationships because I just don't have my stuff figured out. And that's also a trap because the more we hide because of our stuff not being figured out, the more shame we're going to experience there as well. So both of these types of, of living, these types of existence keep us hiding in the, in the darkness and never really allowing others to step in and walk alongside of us. But as we've said before, we were created to have deeper connections with others. I mean, that's why the name of the podcast is created for connection because that's, that's ultimately what we need. It's like needing air. It's like needing to eat every day. We need to have connection on a daily basis. But it's these types of, of underlying beliefs that I need to perform or I need to be better before I can be accepted and loved that keeps us hiding. And I, I think that that's a really important place for us to, to explore because when we, when we forget to shift that paradigm, when we, when we don't allow ourselves to start exploring new ways of being and new ways of doing, then we find ourselves stuck. And it's in the trying of new things. It's in the attempting to be known in those places where we have experienced wounds and fears and lies that we finally start to uncover what those truths are about ourselves. You know, it makes me think about um, when Jesus said, you know, you're going to come before me and you're going to say, uh, Lord, we cast out demons in your name, and we did all of these things in your name. And my response is going to be, man, I never knew you. And I think about that response from Jesus, not from a place of being harsh, but that he's wanting to reinforce the idea that I want to know you. I, want to, I don't want to see what you do. I want to know who you are. And when we, when we allow ourselves to be known, even by him, then we move away from performance and into identity because it's then that he begins to tell us who we are. He begins to shed light on who were we created to be rather than how we were created to perform for everybody else. Because most of us really try to live into our image. And I think this is a, a, a really strong cultural value that how the world sees you is more important than who you actually are inside. 
And when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he talks about a reversal of that. Like I am more concerned with what's at the heart of a man than actually what a man does with his life. And it, it starts with what's at the heart. It's an outpouring of that that then is it, it creates change with the people around us. And the outpouring comes from us knowing our identity in Christ. When we talk about this idea of image, it reminds me of a situation that happened a while back where my boss got an email from someone who I had not responded to and I felt kind of exposed and I had not responded for a while and it was something that made me, you know, kind of question, oh, have I done what I'm supposed to do? What's he going to think of me? You know, there were all these things kind of swirling around that I hadn't taken care of what I was supposed to. And so I immediately went into this image protection mode where I had a whole plan. I was going to um, throw somebody under the bus where they hadn't followed through where they were supposed to. I was going to talk about how this person who had sent the email um, was going to call question to, you know, their, the validity of what they were saying. And ultimately, I would apologize and be back in a place of relationship and wait for um, a positive response from my boss so that then everything would seem like it was smoothed over. And as I plan to launch into, um, into this whole scenario, I realized, you know, I might spend, you know, an hour to two hours trying to manage my image here when I could just begin by taking this hour to two hours to look at what are some of the causes for me to not step up like I thought I should. And then what, what is, what is it that I'm telling myself about my identity that this whole scenario played out the way that it did in the first place. And I realized that some of the things I was hearing in the background is you're not good at what you do. Um, somebody's going to figure it out that you're just a, a fraud. And um, ultimately you're going to end up losing your job. And that's going to lead to problems at home. And the list just went on and on. And I think that that's something that we, have a tendency to do is we in we inherently find ways to try and protect our image or to manage our image instead of going to recognizing what is this situation or fear or wound what is it causing us to believe about who we are and it's in exploring that and then and then having people to talk about that with and having people there to speak against that, that we start to challenge those lies that, that kind of ride under the surface. And I think that's the most important thing is that if you, if you took some time to really just kind of sit with yourself and look at what are the underlying messages 
that I am dealing with on a daily basis, you might find some really surprising things. This is something that I, I touched on in uh, episode three about anxiety, but it's something that I think is really important. You know, if you imagine that you have thoughts running in the background all the time that you're not really fully aware of, and at some point you decide, you know what, like a, like a radio playing in the background, I'm going to turn up the volume and I'm going to hear, I'm going to try and listen for what are those things that I'm hearing on a regular basis, but I haven't really put down, um, put into words, I haven't written them down or anything like that. I think that there are a lot more messages that are riding in the background than, than what most of us know. And the important work that we can do is to, to start to really take inventory of what we're allowing to be said in our minds about who we are. Because here's what I know to be true. The longer those messages go unchallenged, the more they feel true. And the longer we allow them to, to be true, the more we live from that place. And so the goal is if we want to shift the, the way that we live our lives, we have to first challenge those messages and then start to see something different about who we are. Um, and then as we challenge the messages and see ourselves differently, in that we, we, we start to internalize a different identity, one that's true, then we start to see the fruit of that in our relationships. But that requires us to do some digging. When Melissa and I got pregnant with our first child, we needed a, a bigger car. We needed something that was um, able to transport more than just the two of us. So we started looking at SUVs and we came across the Toyota Highlander and decided, you know what, that, that seems like it would be a good fit for us. So we went and bought this Highlander and we were really excited about it. It was a 2003 used um, Highlander. I, I remember just, you know, envisioning these great family vacations that we would go on and it was a car that we, we loved. We, we really loved that, that car, but you know, we'd had it for about 12 years and it got to the point where it was starting to cost us more to have it than to sell it and get something new. So we decided we were going to buy a new Highlander. Well, after we made the purchase, I had collected all of the stuff that I had in the old Highlander and put it in a, a Walmart sack. And there were a bunch of papers and things like that that I needed to, to sift through. So um, so I put them on the, the kitchen table. We were staying in Heber Springs at the time at my in-law's lake house. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table at the lake house, and I'm going through all of these papers. And my wife is actually uh, getting ready to leave at that time to come back. She was working as a nurse um, doing night shift. And so she was trying to get out the door and she came up to me at the table and said goodbye. She left. And so then I finished going through the papers and um, 
and you know threw away the trash and and put the other papers where they needed to go and the next day the kids and i cleaned up the house and then headed home well we we got out of town at about five o'clock and it takes about two and a half hours three hours to get uh from heber springs back to memphis and we i'll never forget we got to the bridge uh, the, the bridge that's not broken in Memphis for, for those of the, you that know that we were on the small bridge and, um, and Melissa asked me, Hey, what did you do with that money that I, that I put in front of you the other day? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like the money we, we had gotten $1,700 from selling the old Highlander and it was in an envelope and and so she said that money from the Highlander, I put it in front of you in that stack of papers that you were going through. And immediately the blood drained from my head and I was like, I know exactly what happened. She put it in the pile of papers that I had thrown in the trash. And I had not only thrown it in the trash at the house, but I'd then taken that trash to the Eden Isle dump which is our routine that we do when we're on our way out of town. And so it had been put in uh, this huge dump and, and there were a bunch of people that had been there that weekend. So the dump was full. And I was like, Oh man, I threw the money away. And so I got home. She had ordered pizza for us. I ate two slices of pizza. I got a box cutter and a headlamp got back in my car and drove all the way back three hours to Heber Springs. I got, I got two Heber Springs at about uh, 11 o'clock that night to the dump. And I jumped in cause I remembered which one I'd put it in. And I started going through all the trash bags and I cut open. I, I, I can't even tell you how many trash bags, but I got to the last trash bag in the, in this particular dump. And finally, after sifting through old food and all kinds of grossness, I found it, the $1,700. And I knew that I could go back home. I was so thankful. And, you know, that story makes me think about this idea that when we are convinced that there's something of value, we will do whatever it takes to find it. See, I knew that $1,700 was in there and I was going to do whatever it took until I got to the point where I had that money back in my hands. And I think that sometimes we, we look at our lives and we see so much junk that we don't even know what to do with, that we forget that the journey to finding what's of value is so important and that when we do, it is well worth it. And that thing of value within is our identity. It's who God says we are. And I have already talked about this as well, but going back to Matthew 3 where Jesus is baptized and God says from heaven after he comes out of the water, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. It's so important to recognize that he starts with 
Jesus's identity as a son. He is my son. And it's because he's my son that I love him. And it's because I love him that I am well pleased. And I think that is the same identity that God speaks to us, that we are his sons, that we were created in his image, and that we were designed to be people who we don't even know we can be. So I want to go back to that question that I asked earlier, how aware are you of the the parts of who you are specifically how aware are you of those wounds and those fears and those lies because it is the process of naming those things that starts us down the road of recognizing where our identity might have been stolen from us We want to take a moment and thank Wellspring Process Groups for sponsoring today's episode. Wellspring is an initiative Paul launched at the beginning of 2021 that provides people with a safe place to process the experiences they're facing in life. Whether you're going through challenges or transitions, or if you need a safe group of people to share life with for a season, we invite you to join a Wellspring Process Group. I've been in one of these groups, and it's been a life-changing experience for me. I encourage you to go to the show notes right now and contact Wellspring to find out when you can join a process group for yourself. You know, a couple years ago, my daughter, uh, Millie, my youngest daughter, she, we were all visiting my brother in Fort Worth and um, his two kids had gotten a video iPod. And they were loving playing with it. And my daughter, who was like five at the time, just was so enthralled with it. And, you know, we left that weekend and we came home. And six months later, my wife finds in Millie's backpack a video iPod. And she's like, Millie, where did you get this from? And Millie said, you know, someone gave it to her at school. Anyways, you get it. The story comes out. But in the meantime, as my wife was trying to figure out what was going on, she texted my sister-in-law and said, hey, are you guys missing a video iPod? And and she told her no, because when she had asked um, her kids, you know, if they had their video iPod, they said no, that it they didn't have it, but that they had lost it. Well, it turns out that Millie had stolen it. And I think that's something that is true for us. Sometimes we think things about who we are have been lost, but they've actually been stolen from us by the enemy through these lies and wounds that we've experienced over time. And the important thing is to name it so that then we can go through the process of reclaiming what God says about who we are. And and sometimes we can do that by going back to memories of the past where we've seen our true character come out. But sometimes it also takes reflecting that back to ourselves through, through others. Sometimes it takes connecting with somebody and explaining to them how we've seen ourselves and them saying back, look, I see you completely differently. And not that we let others tell us who we are, but we let others point out things that we aren't seeing ourselves. 
that process of being known in those places has to start with us naming what the lies and the wounds and the fears are that we've been so consumed with over the course of our life. Because here's the, here's the real situation. Most of us feel like when we show up in the world, that when, when things are hard, we're like kids that don't know what to do. And we're just trying to feel our way through, almost like we're pretending to know how to handle the next thing that's in front of us. The reason for that is because we were created to depend on God as we walk through those storms of life and those difficult places. But we've spent so much time trying to rely on ourselves and our own strength and our own abilities that we we don't know how to really put it in the hands of the Lord. And some of that comes from us also walking with others who then help us know how to manage what it is that we're facing. But we have we believe this lie that we're supposed to deal with all of these things on our own, and it's just not true. It's not something that we do very well when we try to process and deal with all the things internally that weigh us down. So when you hear Paul and I talking about being known, that's what we're referring to. We're, we're trying to get people to understand the idea that you have to open the door to the window of the core of who you are. You have to open people's eyes to what's going on really deep inside. You have to connect with people on a level that they can see really what are your struggles and how can I walk with you and journey with you through this life as someone who can be there for you and show up when you need me and show you that you can be loved even though that you struggle. We're pushing towards that because we were not created to live this life in isolation. So I want to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you after you finish this podcast to sit down and to begin the process of writing out what are the what are the wounds that I've experienced in life? Just come up with five. What are your top five wounds that you've dealt with? What are the what are the fears that you experience? Are you afraid of being alone? Are you afraid of of losing relationships? Are you afraid of conflict? What are you afraid of? And and then start to kind of process what what's the core of that? And then finally, what are some of those lies that you've believed about who you are? Have you believed that you could never be good enough? Have you believed that you're broken beyond repair? Have you believed that you're you're so lost in an addiction that no one could ever understand you or accept you because of the things that you've done? What are the lies that you've believed? Because that is where the enemy wants to keep you. And if you allow yourself to stay in that place, if you allow yourself to just try and keep willing yourself to be better and to do better, then you're going to find yourself struggling with the same shame cycle and either go into performance, uh, image protection, or just trying to be better when when all of these things are going to only happen through the process of being known. So take the time. Take the time to do that work and make sure that when you do, you don't just let it stop there. Find somebody to share it with. Find some, somebody to process it with. If you need resources in your area, 
we are happy to help you help you find those. Um, I'll link in the show notes some places that you can go to do that either formally or you can reach out to me individually or Paul and we'll be happy to, to walk that journey with you as best we can. And uh, then ultimately find somebody where, where you're living that can help you in that, in that part of your journey. But the, the main point is that you don't have to be alone in this inner turmoil that so many of us deal with. And the moment that you begin sharing that, the more you will feel yourself begin to experience freedom that you haven't before. Because what will happen is you'll see people looking at you with your expectation that they're going to reject you, but they just come right back at you and they say, I understand. I may not understand exactly what it is you're dealing with, but I understand what it's like to feel like you have to hide. And you don't have to because I love you and I accept you. And again, that's what we're all longing to hear. So thanks for listening in today. I hope that some of these things were helpful for you to kind of dig deeper into maybe what the underlying things we're talking about um, are referencing. And, uh, And I hope that this has really been a blessing to you. I hope you have a great day. And I want you to remember, you are not alone. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and that Kevin's words have inspired you to take a step toward uncovering the narratives that play in the background of your story. If you're struggling to take those steps, just know you're not alone. Feel free to contact us through some of the options in our show notes and we'll try to connect you with people that can walk with you in your journey. A special thanks to Cheyenne Metters for producing our music. And thanks to Wellspring Process Groups once again for sponsoring this episode. If Created for Connection has been helpful for you, please drop a review on whichever streaming service you're using. And please, share with your friends and anyone you think might appreciate these conversations. We'll see you next time.